of the Lord for the man of God as he comes. God bless you, Brother Martin. Praise the Lord, everybody. So grateful to be back in Spokane and at Cornerstone. And um, it's good to be a part of the kingdom of God at such a time as this. And um, I concur with what they were saying earlier. I believe the best is yet to come. Anybody else believe that? <clears throat> I was reflecting in my contemplative time the last couple of days. I was reflecting over this year, and um, I turned 43 this year, which is young to a lot of you. And uh, it's also old to a lot of you, um, but it's not old. It's it's young, um, it's high miles. Um, I told somebody the other day the mileage was so high that I've started running synthetic oil. But I'm glad that all of the cylinders are still firing. But as I've reflected the last couple of days. Um, I'm thankful I don't even I don't know what the catalyst was but I'm thankful for the I'm gonna and, I, and I've thought long and hard so I'm, I'm using words that I have thought through the I'm thankful for the alarming awareness that has come to me this year of how little I am how big he is and I even this morning I've been thinking that I'm simply the sum of a lot of moments a lot of men a lot of ministries and most of all a, a big God and um, when I read verses as I get older it's not a greater confidence in me it's a greater reliance on him. And I read scriptures that he, res like he resisteth the proud and he giveth, gr giveth grace to the humble. Those, those kind of verses, I don't want that alarming awareness to ever leave me. Um, I don't think that humility is necessarily a modest or a low view of oneself, I, I just think it's a modest or a low view of one's self-importance. And um, I, I don't ever want to, I don't want to ever get that out of perspective. And I want my me to become smaller and my I to become smaller. And when, when that happens, and here's the deal. Here, here is the deal. This is the light that came on for me. Humility is not 
something somebody else and even God can send things but the Bible says to humble yourself and um, I just I want to be free in 2024 of any pride or arrogance or this is all about him anyways, folks. I mean, if it wasn't for him, there wouldn't be any of us here. I wouldn't have anything. And so I want him to know on this last day of this year that I am so indebted and I am so grateful and I depend on him so much. So he's been so merciful. I just... I don't live in fear, but I mean, he could knock my feet out from underneath me so quick. And I don't want to ever forget that. And I'm thankful. I'm so thankful for his, for his goodness to me. I feel like the Lord has given me something. Um, I'm going to say specifically for Spokane, but I believe it is, I believe it is a divine commission for the days to come and I want to launch us off into that um, this afternoon. I'd like to turn your attention to the book of Zechariah. We give honor to the bishop and first lady leadership of this great church and um, so thankful for um, their sacrifice continual pushing forward and um, I say it often that I have a deep deep love reverence and respect for Brother and Sister Mayo and appreciate what they have done here and what this work here represents in the northwest in this region and um believe that the Lord has helped them to pave a path and it's just that it's just that imp, it's just that well that's the word it, it's importunity that pushing and that persistence and, and it has paid off I'm just glad to be a part of this great church Amen. and it's good to have my family love them dearly and, and it's a tremendous honor to have them and thank you uh, for that being important but I don't know it's an extra sacrifice but Bishop is insistent when they can for me to bring them and I, it's not always possible and there's not a lot of people that can swing that but I'm grateful that it's important to him and that you are able to do that and it's great to have them with me Zechariah chapter 1 verse number 18 then I lifted up mine eyes and saw and behold four horns and I said unto the angel that talked with me what be these and he answered me these are the horns which have scattered Judah Israel and Jerusalem. And the Lord showed me four carpenters. Then said I, What come these? 
to do. And he spake, saying, These are the horns which have scattered Judah, so that no man did lift up his head. But these, someone say these, these, but these, these who, the carpenters, are come to fray them and to cast out the horns of the Gentiles, which lifted up their horn over the land of Judah to scatter it. Praise God. I know that's a very obscure, not often read portion of Scripture. This is actually, I believe it is the second vision of Zechariah. And I really feel that there's something there. And I hope as I give you my title, you feel the, the thrust of this. I want to I want to preach on this last day of 2023. I want to preach us into this new year. I want to proclaim something right now. I want to preach to you for a few moments from this thought. Here come the carpenters. Here come the carpenters. If you would, would you lay your Bibles down and your devices and I want you one more time. I know we've worshiped God. I've had you on your feet for a few moments here. But I want you one more time collectively, if you would, would you lift your voice and ask God to help us here for the next few moments. Come on, somebody utilize your voice. Let's clap our hands and give God a shout of praise. Come on, let's clap our hands and give God a shout of praise. He is worthy. If you're going to help the preacher preach, you can be seated. Thank you for standing. Brother Soundman, if you'd give me just a little more up here. Thank you. Thank you to all. We don't say much, um, but we're so grateful for, I don't know, terminology is constantly changing, so if media team is out of date, forgive me, but thank you to all those up there that work so hard and run these screens and sound. And Thank you so much for your sacrifices. This is... <coughs> An interesting portion of scripture. Um, I have sat with this now for several weeks. Um, a couple of years ago, I, I broached the subject. As often the time, often is the case with me. Um, it's stick my nose into something and. Seems like that it's may not stay on that, but it will really manifest later somewhere down the road for a sp specific season. 
So I, I want to slow down here, and I want to take a few moments, and I really want to unpack a couple of things to, in order to extrapolate what I want to commission and say here to us today, if I may be so boldly, say to us here today in the Holy Ghost. I believe that I have been sent by God today with a word. I can't think of a, a, better, a better theme, if you will, or a motif to launch us into a new year than what I want to share with you here today. He speaks of four horns. Horns. He says, Then lifted I up mine eyes and saw, and behold, there were four horns. I read this in several different translations, but the horns are synonymous with strength. But really, when you look at horn through Scripture, these particular types of horns, it deals with an aggressiveness. So it's not just a strength. It is an aggressive strength. The visualization behind this aggressive strength is that of a ram, if you've ever had any experiences with rams. But as you look at these four horns, also oftentimes the horns can symbolize a rebellion or something that is unbridled, that is without restraint. But when you look at the four horns in Zechariah chapter 1, it is actually symbolizing four powers. It is four symbols of power that will rise up. Now, I'm going to leave the, the prophecy preaching to someone else, eschatology. I'm with Brother Booker on all that. Somebody asked him if he was pre-trib or post-trib, and he said he was pan-trib. And I listened a little longer, and they said, well, Brother Booker, what is pan-trib? I've never heard of that. He said, it'll all pan out. And uh, it's interesting to me, uh, eschatology is, and I love to listen to people talk about it, but I'm going to leave all the prophecy preaching to somebody else. But there is something here. This is four symbols of power. These are four, four powers that are rising up here, and there's a lot that could be said that's not relevant what you feel or what exactly those things represent in Zechariah chapter 1. It's really not relevant to what I want to talk about here today. It is the, the spirit of all of this that I want to pull something from here. Zechariah wonders as he sees these four powers arising. What are these powers? And one does not have to wonder what these powers are because as we read on in these four verses, you will find that the revelation of what Zechariah is seeing is that these four powers are rising up against Judah, Israel, and Jerusalem. Now, Brother Mayo, that caught my attention. And the reason that that caught my attention is it's not often 
that you see those three names or places rather used in the same sentence or the same stride. It's not often that you will find those three together. The horns, these are the horns which have scattered Judah, Israel, and Jerusalem. The purpose of these horns is they have come against, and not just come against Judah, Israel, and Jerusalem, but they have come against them to scatter them. Now, this is very important. Just stay with me. And as they are scattered, why Satan, if I could say it, let me preach this figuratively. Why would the adversary, why would there be a satanic scattering? Here's the reason that the enemy would scatter. He goes on to say, so that no man did lift up his head. That is always the objective of the adversary. That is always when I have witnessed scattering, when I have witnessed spiritual scattering. Now, I'm going to work this over today, and I'm going to take my time to get where I'm going because I want some people to hear me. There's some things that I've got to preach to. When I have witnessed scattering, you hear me, when you see diabolical scattering, it explains right here why the adversary scatters. He said it's so that no man will lift his head. The enemy does not want us to have vision. The adversary does not want us to be encouraged. The adversary doesn't want us to look forward into the future. The enemy, hear what I'm telling you, the adversary wants us to be consumed only with where our feet are at today. Okay, And so he rises up and he comes against and he, and he scatters. And the purpose in his scattering is to scramble, not just the people, but to scramble our hope, to spoil and to squander our vision and to frustrate our future. He wants to frustrate our future. And some of you, and I don't want to get stuck right here, but I'm telling you, some of you have lived with your head down a while now. Come on. And he has frustrated your future. And the reason that he has frustrated your future is because he has pushed your head down. And all you can see is the present. All you can see is the problems in your present. And when you are consumed with the problems of your present, it frustrates your future. You feel like there is no future. You feel like there is no hope. You feel like everything about that defies what God gives us the commandment of. Look unto the hills. Lift up your head. Lift up your eyes. I come with a word from God on this last day of 2023. I want to break somebody out of your present problems. Come on. I want to reintroduce you to a future that is bright in God. Hallelujah. Can 
I prophetically preach right now? Will somebody help me? If I speak some things in faith, it's not over. God's not finished. It's not always going to be the way it is right now. There's a better, come on, you said you'd help me preach. There's a better day coming. There's a brighter day coming. Come on. Interestingly enough, if he scatters and his objective in his scattering is that no man is able to lift his head. What is a man's eyes fastened upon? Pastor Mayo, if he's not able to lift his head, his eyes only are able to pierce into the present. His focus can only be on his own feet. My God, I'm gonna preach this right now. Come on. If, if the objective of Satan is to scatter that no man can lift his head, hear what I'm telling you. His focus becomes on his own feet. All you can see is your own failures. All you can see is your own mistakes. All you can see, I'm preaching to somebody right now. We gotta lift our head into this new year. I see revival. I see miracles. I see growth. I see breakthrough. I see... If you believe that, I want you to identify your confidence in that by clapping your hands and lifting your voice in this house right now. That no man can lift his head. He doesn't want leaders to have lifted heads. Did you hear the first song they sung tonight? We don't meet in a back dusty room somewhere. Come on and plan all this out. We couldn't plan it out the way that God, we couldn't even come close to doing it as good as God does it. Come on, let me tell somebody today. Come on, thou Lord are a shield unto me. Come on, and the lifter of my head. I want to break somebody's focus on your own feet. You can't see the future for being consumed with the failure of your own feet. You don't know where I've been, and you don't know what I've done. You don't know where you're going. You don't know where you're going. And the, and the foe, the adversary understands if I can consume you, if I can cause your focus to fall on where you've been. It takes the breath. It hinders hope. It takes the breath out of any kind of expectation of going anywhere beyond here. And so I was first drawn into this by this phrase that I, as a student of Scripture, that I knew was not often used. And I knew for these three places to be used together, that there was some kind of significance to this. Judah, Israel, and Jerusalem. That was the hook that drew me into this. And I understood, figuratively speaking, 
when you're looking at type and shadow, the Old Testament, that, that school book, I knew that there was a significance to these three things being mentioned together other than just geographical locations. And so I got to looking. What I found was this. When you are a serious student of Scripture, and I had run across this because I found it in my own notes, but we don't retain everything. And so I had forgotten this. When you see these three together, Bishop, the three together are the totality. Scholars call the three. When you see these three together, it is the totality of the righteous seed of Abraham. They were made righteous by the covenant of Abraham. But when you see, when you see Judah, Israel, and Jerusalem. Come on, I'm trying to give you my redneck rendition of this, but I know it's anointed. He said these four horns, he said these four powers, they have rose up, come on, and their objective is to scatter righteousness. It's to scatter the righteous seed. I have watched this this year. We have seen some of the greatest miracles, come on, I've ever seen in my ministry in 2023. But at the same time, come on, I've, I've helped people in churches walk through some of the greatest difficulties and the greatest messes. There is a scattering. Come on, it is a scattering of righteousness. You hear what I'm telling you? It's coming against churches. It's coming against marriages. There is a scattering of righteous things. There is a scattering of righteous thinking. There is a scattering of righteous living. There I need somebody to help me right now. Do you know what I believe and I contend for? Come on. I believe the marriage, a godly marriage between one man and one woman is still a righteous thing. That's a righteous thing. But I have been in the thick and the foes of trying to help people because the adversary wants to scatter that. He wants to scatter righteous lifestyle. He wants to scatter righteous conversation. He wants to scatter righteous young people, righteous young marriage, righteous middle aged, righteous preachers, righteous preachers' wives. You better hear me. Come on. The old horn of rebellion has come to scatter righteousness. But I've come to preach to you here today. There is a remedy. Come on. Come on. There is a remedy. There is an answer. There is a solution to all of this scatteredness. I determined in prayer that I wasn't going to spend most of my time on the problem. I come today to preach the solution. I got to mention the problem, but you're living in the problem. I'm going to preach the solution to you here today. Scatteredness. Family scattering. Righteous ministry scattering. Righteous churches scattered. I'm seeing things. Five years ago, and I'm sorry I got a different way of thinking, but 
This is just how this is how stuff comes to me. And that's the way it's going. I hear it and I repeat it. So five years ago, Bishop, ten years ago, I'm scratching my head. Now I'm watching stuff and I'm holding my head. What are we doing? The righteous seed, Satan has got his A team on the field. And you better hear me. I may not have the strength that I had to preach like I could preach at 25, but I'm sure gonna give it my all. Cause you hear me over my dead body and I'm gonna roll over and believe that it's over. The scattering and the purpose of the scattering that no man can lift his head. Come on. You would think if they're now allowing themselves, God, I feel this right now, to do things that they never did before, that they'd be happier than they've ever been before. But they're not. They're depressed. Come on. They're unhappy. Come on. They're on drugs. Because when righteousness is scattered, there's not a joy that replaces where there's been righteousness. Come on, I'm here today to contend that the pleasures of sin are still but for a season. And I see the correlation where there's compromise, there's depression. Where there's compromise, there's darkness. Where there's compromise. Can I just stop here and ask a question? I need you to make yourself known. Come on, we need to see you here today. Are you thankful for a church that's still contending for righteous living and right? should go to that pulpit here in just a little bit and preach righteousness. I'm not just talking about a physical standard. I'm talking about being clean. I'm talking about being holy. I'm talking about pleasing God. There's still something to it. And so I'm fixing the segue my Lord, some of you are looking at your clock. He's gone 20 minutes on the problem. He said he's going to preach longer on the solution. We're in for a long one today. I got to be at Brother Jesse's at 2.30. That's on your side. I get there in about 15 minutes from here, so you do the calculations. So the righteous scattering. I'm fixing the segue right there, so follow me. Buckle your seat Horns have rose up. The righteousness, the seed of righteousness has been scattered that no man is able to lift his head. And I can tell you from having my ear to the ground and hearing from all corners of the earth and all kinds of circles and fellowships, it's not something, Brother Mayo, 
It's not something that is happening unnoticed. It's not unnoticed. It's, I think people, actually, let me, let me strike that out. I know that people know that things are changing. And they're actually, Sister Mayo, I'm watching. I just, it's in the last month, I've been a lot of places the last month, so you're going to figure out exactly what I'm talking about. There's actually a response. I hear a lot of criticism. Huh? There's a response to this righteous scattering. There's a response to the hopelessness. It's like a blanket, a wet one that has been thrown, that has literally been not draped. It has been thrown over apostolic churches and apostolic people. You got critics. You got complainers. Come on, I'm going to preach this today. I know you're not ready to paint again, Brother Mayo, but I may just go ahead and pre preach the paint right off these walls this afternoon. There's critics. There's a whole lot of complainers. And there's cynics. And there's several other C's, but I'll stop with those three. You hear what I'm telling you? Complaining, criticizing, and cynicism never fixed anything. God didn't say, yeah, there's a problem. I'm going to raise up a bunch of complainers, and we're going to fix it. God didn't. I used to joke when it came offering time about Pentecostals. We, we've maturated into something else. You ready for your new name? Pentecostals. 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 Complainers. Criticizers. It's kind of quiet in here right now. Silence is the greatest amen Cody Marks has ever had. Yeah, I mean, it's just screaming. In the silence, I hear the screaming. Preach, 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 preach. Cynics is not going to fix it. Complaining is not going to fix it. Criticizing. Well, I'm telling you, if I was done, well, I'm telling you, it's right right away. Well, I'm telling you right now, if I was a pastor, if I, well, you're not. Well, I'll tell you right now, if I was over that YouTube party, well, you're not. And there's probably a reason you're not. Can I just remind you of something? This is not a cruise ship, ladies and gentlemen. This is a battleship. We're not sipping lemonade and enjoying the provided entertainment. We're in a battle. Some of you are looking for the next stop where we can enjoy the next excursion. There's no excursions here. We're in a battle, ladies and gentlemen, and we need all hands on deck.
Well, you don't know what kind of year. You don't know what kind of year I've had. What are you doing about it? Well, you don't know how the devil's running. What are you doing about it? I'm tired of the devil running me around. If you're tired of the devil running you around the bush, why don't you uproot the bush and beat the devil with it? Zachariah says, what's the four horns? The four horns is the scatter, the righteous seed that no man is able to raise his head. Thank God. God didn't stop there, and this is the commission. Don't break out in highs when I say this word. I already tried to tell God, I'm trying to help Brother Mayo not give him a heart attack because I know we just... We're trying to come out of a building project, but I'm spiritually speaking. So when I, when I start using some of this terminology, Bishop, don't just tell him it's going to be all right, Mom Mayo. Tell him it's going to be all right. Come on. God said, I got a solution to all of this. He said, it doesn't have to, it doesn't have to stay in a state of scatteredness. I'm going to send a solution where you're able to subdue scattering spirits. Come on. There's another player in this. There's another part to this picture. There's another piece in this puzzle. Come on. We can stand here and talk about scattering all day long. We can stand here and talk about compromisers all day long. No. God said, there's another force rising. I'm going to send four carpenters. I'm going to send four carpenters and they shall fray. They shall frustrate. They shall subdue the scattering spirits. Cornerstone, I know you just finished a beautiful building project, but can I tell you the construction's not over. The building and rebuilding is not over. God needs carpenters, not critics, but carpenters, not complainers, but carpenters. God sent me to ask you a question here today. I know what you've been worrying about, but I got to ask you a Holy Ghost question. When are you going to work on what you've been worrying about? When are you going to work on what you've been whining about? Four horns. But I will raise up four carpenters. It's the building and rebuilding. It's the spirit of going to work. Everything that this church has and is today. I have the longest standing history consistently coming in and out of somewhere here than anywhere else in America in the last July will be 25 years. I have watched. This church is what it is today because people have labored. People have worked. It's workers. It's workers. It's workers. It's workers. And you hear me? Come on. Come 
on. You hear what I'm telling you? That we cannot allow an ease in Zion. We cannot allow a settledness to come in here. If you think we can sustain this, come on and lay back in our lazy, lazy boy and take a spiritual nap. You got another thought coming. If we're going to go to the next level, we've got to have laborers. We've got to have workers. We've got to have builders. I need somebody to help send a message to the hallways of hell. Look out, devil. Here come the carpenters. Look out, hell. Here come the carpenters. Look out, opposition. Here come the builders. You ought to clap your hands and see how loud you can lift your voice to the Holy Ghost right now. You know when your marriage is gonna get better? I'm talking to some marriages that's on the rocks. You know when your marriage is gonna get better? When you quit whining about it and start working on it. When you quit, you didn't hear what I just said. You wanna know when your church is gonna get better? When you quit criticizing it and start doing construction on it. You want. But it's easier just to lay all the blame at somebody else's feet. It's easier to do that than go to work. It's easier to point fingers than it is to swing hammers. It's easier to turn your nose up than to find something to put your hand to do. That's a lot easier movement than getting your hands dirty, doing something to make the situation better. They and they and they, come away with the they business. Well, they and he and she. No, I've come to tell you, I'm tired of hearing about the horns. Where's the carpenters? I'm tired of hearing about scatteredness. Where's the builders? I'm tired of hearing about what's wrong. I want to know where's the laborers? Who's working on your marriage? Who's working on your church? Who's working on your kids? Who's working... She's hard to live with, and you ain't. Usually the first one pointing their finger is the one that doesn't have a tool in their hand. There's no walls rebuilt in 52 days. God's grace getting involved and things being done beyond human abilities and capabilities. Come on. That kind of stuff, Brother Logan, doesn't have it on happen by accident. It's a Nehemiah that can recognize scattering spirits and say, you know what? We're doing a good work. We're doing a good work. We're not coming off the wall. Come on. We're doing the work of God. We're not coming off the wall. We're not going to be interrupted because the greatest work is the work of God. The greatest thing going on right now. 
Can I preach to somebody right now? You need to get a sword out of your hand and get a shovel. Come on. I said, you need to get a sword out of your hand and get a sickle. You need, I'm told, you need, a, you need to get a hair. Instead of swinging an ax at somebody else, why don't you find a tree to chop down? Why don't you find debris to move out of the way? Here come the carpenters. Brother Marks, I'm in my own personal Babylon. And by the way the things looks, I'm by the things by the way things look, I may be here for the full 70 years. You know the first commandment he gave them, Brother Mayo, by the mouth of the prophet Jeremiah? Even if it is 70 years. The first commandment he gave them. Jeremiah walks into town and he said, Build houses. The idle mind, idle hands. You listen to me. Idle hands. Come on, idle hands. It's not that they're not being used anywhere. Uh, you need to understand where they're being used. Idle hands, come on, are being used in the devil's workshop. Come on, idle hands. I'm preaching to somebody right now. Busy, busy. You can't be a carpenter and be a complainer. You can't be a carpenter and be a criticizer. If there's something wrong, fix it. Come on, if there's something wrong, repair it. Come on, come on, don't make it worse. Don't tear it down, build it up. Come on, I'm preaching to us right now. The spirit of the carpenter has got to get in this great cornerstone church. There's some things that have got to be rebuilt. There's some things that must be rebuilt in our lives. Dormant? No. Building. Dead? No. Building. Nehemiah built the wall. Resulted in a 52-day miracle of grace. The people had, the people, the people. There's no way in the world, Brother Mayo, that that should have been able to do, be done in 52 days. I'm unpacking this, folks. I'm pulling this apart. We need those kind of miracles in Spokane. That, that goes beyond any kind of human ingenuity or human, the human mind cannot conceive what they did in 52 days. You say it's God, God, God. Yes, it's God, God, God. But it's people, people, people that gave God something to work with. And you know what the Bible says? That the, what it says about the people? It said the people, the people had a spirit. They had an attitude to work. Not war. Come on. I'm preaching to somebody right now. Not fighting amongst themselves. Not competition. We don't need the spirit of competition in the pulpit. We don't need the spirit of competition in the ministry. We don't need the spirit of competition in the church. We need carpenters, not competitors. People had a mind to work. You think it's any accident for 30 years of his life? 
You think it's any accident? Yes, he was born to a virgin, but she was espoused to marry what? A carpenter. The first 30 years of his life was spent in a carpenter's house. What did they say when they began to hear the initial miracles of Jesus? Is not is this not is this not Joseph's uh, the carpenters? Carpentry has always been God's remedy to subdue scattering spirits. Huh? He didn't come riding in on a white stead. No, he was born in a lowly manger. Come on, anybody with me right now? He didn't come as royalty. He didn't come, come on. He didn't come with a pacifier born with a pacifier or, or a civil ladle in his mouth. Come on. There was no room in the end. He was eventually betrayed and rejected by his own people. Jesus came with the spirit of the builder. Jesus came with the spirit and the attitude. I want to find what's broke. Come on. Not criticize it. Let's do construction on it. Come on. Not demolition. Let's see how we can fix it. Anybody interested in the fire falling? Anybody interested in Jezebel's, Je Jezebel's efficacy being diminished? Huh? I know what you're thinking. The fire's got to fall. Everybody wants the fire to fall. But the fire falling is preceded by the coming of the carpenter. There was more than just a prophet there on that mountain that day. The Bible says that he sent out a call for all of Israel to gather there. Come on, God. God! God was signaling. He was signaling a spirit. He was trying to help those people understand this is how you fix it. Come on. There was so much disunity. There was such disarray. The 12 tribes, there's the north and the south. He's our God. No, he's our God. We've got our place of worship. we got our place of worship. And when he goes to rebuilding the altar, come on, it's more than a prophet. Come on, it's Elijah the carpenter. He said, give me 12 stone. What do you think the 12 stone symbolized? There's got to be the repairing of relationships. There's got to be the rebuilding of relationships. He gathered all of Israel there to see that that day. Until you start working on your relationship with one another. And I'm just going to give you a few things as I'm running to a finish line. 42 minutes into this, that the Lord has been dealing with. First, first of all, let me add this, and I'll probably come back and mention this again. Jesus gave very few specific prayer requests. Very few. We spend so much time hollering about the harvest 
There's never been a harvest issue, Brother Mayo. The harvest is white. It's ready. Jesus said the problem. There's plenty of criticizers. There's lots of complainers. You don't have to look far to find a cynic. I need carpenters. I need builders. There's always complainers and there's always quitters. Come on. And there's always criticizers. He said, but I need laborers. Laborers. It's the only way we can fix you say, Brother Mark, you don't know the damage, the demonic damage. That's been, I'm telling you, there's a way to repair the damage. The carpenters have got to show up. There's a, there's, a, there's a way to remedy this problem. There's a way to stop and seduce scattering spirit. Brother Mark, I feel like this thing is ripping my marriage and ripping my kids, and I feel like it's ripping us apart as a child. Listen, 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 listen to what I'm telling you. We don't have to just sit by and watch the ripping and the tearing and the scattering if the carpenters will rise up. Come on. I don't know what has you discouraged, but I've come to tell you it's time to get your work belt back on. It's time to get some nails back in your pouch. It's time to get your fingers Pearl back around the hammer. It's time to get your builder square back out. It's time to get your tape measure. The reason I use Elijah is because there's two things that the Lord spoke to me that the carpenters got to go to work on. To subdue scattering spirits and to get the head of people back up. The reason I lose, use Elijah is because two of these things we got to go back to building on are found in the same story. It's the rebuilding of relationships and it's the rebuilding of altars. You want to subdue scattering spirits. You want to stop sabotaging spirits. You want to be able to know that there's a future for you again. You'll never be able to say, you'll never be able to focus past your fumbling feet if you leave the altar in your life in disarray. You know him. I love you. It wouldn't surprise me if you're watching. If you are, I hope this causes you to fall to your knees. You love him. I love him. He didn't tell me to say it or not say it. But I remember the day I got the phone call. I knew this, but the light came on as I went through so many, a plethora of situations in my mind and a situation that's still so tender. I don't even like to think about it. He said, there. He said there's no excuses. He didn't say hello. He didn't say how you doing. When I answered the phone, he said, there's no excuses. He said, there's only one reason. And I said, why? And he said, I stopped praying. Every problem Dave Gazande that I have ever dealt with and I'm convinced ever will deal with going forward with people you can call the problem by any name you want to call it by but the real problem 99.9% .9 of the time is a prayer problem
Well, Brother Marks, I'm a mess. You're going to be a mess as long as your altar's a mess. But Brother Mark, I'm preaching. I'm not saying, hey, there's a lot of this I've never premeditated. I'm preaching right now, and somebody's thought. You thought, well, I'm preaching. I am the result. I am the harvest of those scattering spirits. I got scattered. Come on, I'm the result. I'm the harvest of scatterings. I'm telling you how to fix it right now. Come on, you're going to be a mess as long as your altar's a mess. Come on, your, your public life's going to look a mess until you get your private life together. You want to fix you? Fix your altar. You you want to fix your mind? Fix your altar. You want to fix your doubt? Fix your altar. You want to fix your unbelief? Fix your altar. You want to... I'm going to take another step. You want to fix your confidence in people? You will never fix your confidence in people if your personal altar is in disarray. You say, Brother Marks, oh God, thank you, Holy Ghost. You say, I've never seen God speak to anybody. He just spoke to me. Brother Marks, it's just too much. It's just going to take too much. For the first time in my life, Brother Mayo, the Holy Ghost just hit me, and something makes sense to me that never has made sense before in my life. It's just too much. It's not accessible. I don't have what it takes to fix it. When he went to repair the altar, what did he ask for? He asked for the most valuable commodity invaluable if I could say it that way because they were in a drought and he asked for water that nobody had. Altars are not built on the result of what you think you have. Oh my God. Oh my God. Altars rebuilt are not the result of you going to work because you think you have everything at your access in order to repair it. Altars are only rebuilt when you go to work and you start reaching for things that you know that you don't possess. Bring me water. We don't have water. Bring water anyways. Bring lots of water. Brother Marks, I don't have the capacity. I don't have the spiritual capacity. I don't have the hope capacity. I don't have the mental. I don't have, no, you hear what I'm telling you. If you ever rebuild the altar, you gotta go to work on it. Even if you feel like that you don't have what you need in order to fix it. My God. I just may retire right there. That's a word from the Lord for somebody. You don't wait till you have everything. Well, if I had the materials or if I had the know-how, come on. No, you just got to go to work. Anyone who has ever successfully rebuilt an altar was not because they felt like they had everything at their access to fix it. Altars are rebuilt in the presence of inadequacy. Altars are rebuilt in the presence of uncertainty. Altars, come on. Altars are rebuilt when you just go to work. I don't even know how to fix this. I don't have all the need, needful things. I don't even have any nails, let alone enough nails. I don't have the water. I don't have the lumber. Others are trying to tell me, you're asking for water and there is no water. What do you do? You just keep working. And if you keep working, the fire's going to fall. The fire's going to fall. The fire...
You say, I need God to rebuild me. And God's saying, I need you to rebuild your altar. Two thousand twenty-four has got to be a year you go to work on relationships. There's so much self. We got to unself ourselves. We live in a selfie society, and there's so much self-focus. You want to fix you? Won't you go to work? Why don't you go to work on fixing something in somebody else? I'm not going to embarrass anybody. In fact, I'm going to look at that camera right back there. I know you're getting old, Brother Sergeant. You can't see as good as you used to, but I'm looking at the camera, not you. So don't, don't get all upset at me. I'm looking at the camera. I'm looking above you, Brother Sergeant. Some of you have a gift. Not one. I've been preaching to some of you for a long time, and some of you have a gift. You have a gift. Others work at it. And they give their right arm and their big left toe to have what you have just naturally. You have a gift to build things in people. You say, well, I'll never build a church like Brother Mayo. You know how Brother Mayo, by the help of God, is able to build churches? It's people in the church that have the gift of building people. I've seen somebody on this platform. She's never told me. She'd tell you, though. I'd never embarrass her. But she'd tell you. She wouldn't be on this platform singing. The anointing. The walls that come down. It's almost effortless. When she opens, somebody just... Somebody drew that out of her. Somebody, the spirit of carpentry, Started working. You can do this. You here. Let's 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 try this again. You can. Brother Marks, I'm I'm broken and I'm in pieces. Quit no, quit waiting on there to be an ample supply of water. Go to work on an altar and find somebody to start working with. Surely if the AA program has figured this out, 12 steps, statistically they figured it out. Surely we can figure it out. So many people make it to the 11th step. High numbers, over 80% recidivism. People that reach the 11th step. There's only one more step. Why wouldn't you finish? What's the 12th step? The 12th step is getting involved with somebody who's got bigger problems than you. And AA's figured out if we can get somebody to make it to the 12th step, recidivism, not even with, not even with the Holy Ghost, recidivism is cut in over half. But so many won't finish that last step. Why? Because we are so inward. 
psychiatrists have figured it out. I was listening to a podcast. He had been working with a lady. He'd calculated tens of thousands of dollars. He'd been working with a very affluent woman. Multiple, multiple disastrous divorces. He'd been working with her for years. He said, I was exhausted. He said, I woke up and I told my wife, I'm not taking any more of her money. He said, we had one more appointment. He said, I let her know, you go ahead and come this week, but after this appointment, you'll no longer be seeing me. He said, but I hated to admit failure. And he said, I had an epiphany. And he said, I called her just before she got to the meeting, and I said, I want you to be prepared. He said, today, he said, our 90-minute meeting, he said, the first 45 minutes, he said, of our meeting, he said, I'm going to talk to you about some of my problems. And he said, here was this broken woman that I had been meeting with for over three years. And he said, I started talking and telling her about issues, the doctor's diagnosis, the treatments. And he said, 45 minutes turned into 90. And he said, we didn't spend one minute of that 90 minutes talking about her problems. He said, but the last little bit, little bit of that session, she was talking to me about the problems that I expressed to her in the first 45 minutes. Wow. And he said, the meetings ended that day. He said, but the endings did not end in me being a failure. He said, they ended because she was fixed. You have to get your mind off of yourself. I feel this, and I feel, do you know you can feel wrong? Folks, I try. I know, the, I know the gear and the speed here, and I like that gear and speed. I try. God, give me titles. I gave you a title and hope we'd be bouncing and screaming and shouting and running. We're going to do it yet. Here come the carpenters, but we're, we're down here doing some work right now. we got to get our minds off ourselves. Sis, this is, this, this is only the end. Nobody determines the end of your life but you. Sister Don, you control that. You control it right here. And I'm telling you in the Holy Ghost, it's not over if you decide it's not over. Come on. You can continue. I'm going to tell you, you start giving yourself. Don't listen. You've been here long enough now. I want you to go to work. Take your liberty. Start building on somebody. Start working with a young lady. There's a young lady that can use your help. Get you a hammer. Get you a tool bed. Put you some nails in there. Come on. Hear what I'm telling you. You go to work on somebody. Here come the carpenters, not the victims, the carpenters. Come on, not the victims. I'm not living in victimhood. Come on, this is a church of carpenters. This is a church of builders. This I wonder what kind of difference you could make in the life of young men. I'm going to keep working at it. But you know what ticks me off, Zach? As I work at it and feel like I'm stretching thin. When I stretch thin, it's, there's a lot of stretching. And I'm working hard. And then I look at this guy over here that's just naturally got it. Little guys just naturally. I'm like, I have to go here. Hey, hey buddy, here's you some gum. Here's you. 
Because I, I believe in the next. But then you got these cats that's just naturally got this aura. You watch them walk across the church. I wish you could get your head out of the stupid sand and the thumb out of your stinking mouth. Quit sucking on it. And the next time you walk across this church, turn around and look. You got five or six little young guys following you around everywhere you go. And say, I'm going to build something. People that are going nowhere that have spent their whole life blaming their parents are still going nowhere blaming their parents. You got to go to work. Got to go to work. I would think that if there was no other inspiration, if you felt like your parents was a flop and a failure, why does that, if that's the case, why do so many dads perpetuate that into the next generation? Why don't you be the dad you never were? Or why don't you be the dad you never th- you, you thought you never had? But, you, but it's, no, it's just easier to criticize your old man when you realize you're becoming just like. Jordan, I don't know how fast you run, but come quick. I got her bogged down, and I need you to help me to pull it out. Start the engines and put it in four-wheel drive. Get the chains out. We're slinging mud everywhere. I ask you who the single greatest character outside of Jesus Christ was in the New Testament. I dare say 90 plus percent of you would say the Apostle Paul. But let me tell you something. There is no Apostle Paul if there's not a man by the name of Barnabas. If it had been left up to the main members... say, well, I I don't know that they would have hurt Paul. I don't know that Paul would have stayed around. But Barnabas was a builder of men. Come on, come on, Paul, you're going to go with me. I hate to be the one to break this to you, but your me is a whole lot bigger than you want to believe it is. something else in closing we gotta we gotta build on pastor 
My, uh, my hour's gone. Jude said it like this, but ye, beloved, build up yourselves. This goes back to rebuilding your altar. But ye, beloved, building up yourselves on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. I'm here today to contend that there's nothing 2023 going into 24 there's nothing that will fix everything like a good praying through. Boy, look at him running the aisles today. Whew. We had to clean the street marks off the carpets when I get finished from all the people running this morning. Building up your most holy faith. Praying in the Holy Ghost. Here come the carpenters. I just don't know. The last time I let myself go to those places in the Spirit, I know. And you're still a mess internally. And it's because you left that altar in a mess. It's not going to let myself go back there. There's deep places in God that some of you have got to reacquaint yourself with. Well, I feel this today deep places in God that you you've been before it's just a memory a faint one in fact it's not even one that's pleasant because you've made it synonymous with other things that happened during that time it wasn't the altar's fault wasn't the altar's fault. I believe 2024 is going to be a year that those things are no longer a distant memory. But we're going to push past the veil of the flesh and find ourselves, Brother Gazande, no longer focused on feet that have failed us but focused on a future that is a reality again it's not a foregone wish from years ago you can't see the future if you're focused on your feet it's time to go to work and I felt like the Holy Ghost spoke to me. Consecration. Carpenters. Consecration. Carpenters. If we're building altars, we're building and working with other people, and we're building ourselves up in the Holy Ghost. The 2024 will be a year where we see more happen in the Holy Ghost than we've ever seen before in our lives.
draw something out of somebody this year, you've got the gift to do it. Open your home up again. You hear me? This is not hyperbole. I feel the fear of God. I got goosebumps on top of goosebumps, and it's not the kind you get when you're singing a star-spangled banner. I'm telling you, you're dying in your sealed house. Bust the locks off of it. Open the doors back up and let people back into your life. It's the only way you're going to heal. Where's the carpenters? I don't want to be a complainer. Huh? When they go to look for my name, I don't want them to find the list of cynics and then find Cody Marks. There's a long list of criticizers, Brother Sergeant, but if God will be my helper, I don't want my name on that list. I want to be a part of that group that says and they had a mind to work. You know what that tells me? They had a mind to work. Oh, God. Holy Ghost, there it goes again. You would think work had to do with the hands. No, they had a mind to work. The driving force behind a worker is he wills it with his mind. His hands will follow his mind. His feet will follow his mind. But if your mind is not it, Brother Logan, don't just do the work with your hands. You've got to make sure that your head is in what you're doing. The people... That people had a mind to work. Well, I don't feel like it. Will it? Thank you, Sister Mayo. Put on. Put on. It was commandment was given. Put on this mind. Everything he did was about construction. Everything he did was about carpentry. Two thousand twenty-four. Someone say it with me. Say here, come. Two thousand twenty-four. You got to wake up here. Say here, come. The carpenters. If you come down here, thank you for the you are coming. If you come down here, you stand. Don't come down here and bury up. Not today. You come stand and square your shoulders. Listen, hear me. I want to tell you one more thing. I flew into the part of the country to preach a meeting this year. I'd never been. The guy that picked me up was a local minister in that church, Brother Jess Starr from the state of North Dakota. I was preaching a conference for him. The guy that picked me up was a pipeline worker from Texas. I don't know about you, but when I think of North Dakota, I get stammering lips and it's not the Holy Ghost. I found out that he'd moved there. So I started asking him what he did. He was a soft-spoken guy, but he said, there's so much resource that comes out of the ground here. He said, none of, none of this city, it's, it's bustling, it's, it, it's just booming. He said, none of this would be here if it wasn't for the resources that were under the ground. And he didn't say this arrogantly or pridefully. He said, but California would not, they would not operate 
if it wasn't what was being pulled out of the ground here and tunneled or piped from here to the west coast and I looked at him and I said but it's cold it's cold I said what do you you guys work three or four two or three or four months out of the year he laughed in fact I don't even know how he said, I don't even know how to scientifically explain all this but some of the greatest production that's done <laughs> yeah you know it's done in the months that most people wouldn't want to work. You don't wait till it's comfortable above the surface. You got to mind what's below the surface when it gets ready. I said, well, how do you stay warm? How do you keep from freezing to death? Sub-zero temperatures. And he looked at me and he smiled. And what a statement. He said, when I first got here, Brother Ghazani, this is what he said. He said, my boss looked at us. We had a company meeting before he released us that day. Sister Chrissy, he said, my boss looked at me and said, boys, the heat is in the tools. The heat is in the tools. I didn't need an interpretation. I didn't need one. I knew what he was saying. If you weren't going to freeze to death, you better get busy. If you aren't going to die, you better get to moving. The heat is in the tools. Go to work. I believe there's yet another level. I've spoken many times prophetically to this church. I go on recording saying what I'm about to say. The Holy Ghost sent me to say what I'm saying right now if you think you could sustain this or ever dream of going to another level without a mind to work it ain't gonna happen I'm calling for some that have worked that are on spiritual sabbaticals I'm calling for some younger ones that a lot of the weight has rested on your parents up to this point. I'm calling you up. And I'm telling you, it's time to start getting your shoulder under some of the stuff that's going on here. There's got to be a mind to work. We cannot get so inward that we sit around and start pointing fingers and criticizing and complaining. And got to go to work. God said, I'll fix the horns. I'll subdue the scattering. I'll get people's head up again. How you gonna do it? I'm sending carpenters. <laughs> I'm sending carpenters. <laughs> I went to sleep last night. I didn't want to wake the family, so I did it real softly, but I put myself to sleep singing that little song that come on the scene. I don't know, it's been 10 years ago now probably, but Lord, whatever you're doing in this season, don't do it without me. Whatsoever your hand find to do, do it with all your heart. No man having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit. That's why the prophet 
told the young man, let the dead bury the dead. I hope this last Sunday, this last day of 2023, that the smoke, that the smoke of slain oxen and broken yokes. I pray that Elisha has a moment ready to go to work. I'm ready to do something for God. We used to sing an old chorus. Sister Mayo, you got to bring some of this stuff back. These kids can't forget this. My, my house is full. And my fields are empty. My house is full, but my fields are empty. There's a call, if you could hear it. There's a collective call. There's a, there's a clarion call. Meet me in the field. Meet me in the field. And she was lost, the little lady in Song of Solomon, when she's lost. I reread this this morning, and she's looking for him. She can't find him. She can't find him. And finally, she finds somebody that knows where to find him and said, I can tell you exactly where he's at. He's in the field with the sheep. He said, I've lost God. I don't know where he's at. I can tell you where God's at. He's in the work. He's in the labor. He's in the effort. I've never felt better in all of my life than when I was ministering to somebody else. Oh, God. I'm not asking you who or what has employed you for the last little bit. I'm not asking you what category you would have found your name found under when you got here. I'm looking for an army of carpenters. Aren't you thankful for this building? So many times what happens, though, is after a building project like this, there's a pullback. There's a lag. And everything tries to settle. I haven't even told him this privately. He probably knows it. I don't have to tell him publicly anything I can do. I want to hook up. That's why I'm coming in here once a month. I'm hooking onto this thing. I want to see. I want to see you pull through all of this. And because I believe there's yet greater places. I'm looking for carpenters. Here come the carpenters. I'm opening this altar. Could I commission some carpenters here today? Would you come right now? Forgive me for fighting. Don't do it 
forgive me for doubting. Forgive me for criticizing and complaining.